So, Merry Christmas, right? There's other ways that we, we get to say this in our world. You can push the button there if you want to. And, and we say, Merry Christmas, or, or maybe we say, uh, Merry Xmas, or our Happy Holidays. And, and just truthfully, I'm good with any one of those you want to use. Merry Christmas, Merry Xmas, or Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas. You can push the button, I think. Merry Christmas just simply means uh, the anointed one, right? Jesus, the Christ, the Christ. Jesus, just so we know, Jesus Christ, that's not his middle name. Okay, that's his, that's his position that he holds. G, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins because he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. So, so when we're, and then Mass is communion, or, or we have communion with God. And so through Christ, we have communion with God. And so Merry Christmas is very, uh, is, is very uh, 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 relevant for this, this, this day and the date tomorrow. Merry Christmas, because we celebrate God sending His Son to become the Christ or the Messiah to bridge the gap between mankind and the Father and so we can have communion with God. So that's Merry Christmas. Second is a, a Merry Xmas, as, as some people would want to say. And, and I find this interesting because here's the chiro, right? And it's the Alpha and the Omega, the symbol for Christ. It's on many, many, many uh, religious pieces of furniture and in churches and all kinds of stuff. And just so you know, chai is the X and rho is the P. And it's the first two letters of Christ in the Greek. And so, so the X there is, is okay. And then, and then we have the I-X-O-Y and, and, and the E there, right? And that simply means this, Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. That's what those letters stand for. So the X here is standing for Christ. The X here is standing for Christ. But when we put it in front of Xmas, we think that the, that the, that the world's trying to take over Christmas. Really, it's not. It's a great way to explain Christ if somebody says Merry Xmas and just really can kind of get into a discussion with them. Do you know that X stands for the Greek word for Jesus and for Christ? And it's really just a good opener. It's, I don't think the, the atheists are trying to hijack Christmas. I think the world's doing just fine with that, you know? I don't think they're trying to say Xmas to get Christ out of Christmas. And, and, and if you put that in your Facebook don't, I don't know, don't feel bad or feel bad. I don't know what I want you to do with that. But that's really what it stands for is Xmas, is, is Christmas, is the, is the Greek uh, letter for Christ and, and still having communion with God. Or so we can say happy holidays, and happy holidays is simply the combination of two words. It's holy day. So don't get offended by somebody saying happy holiday. It also can open up this, this, this discussion between somebody. You really, you really celebrating a holy day. You know, it's just a good way to get into a, a conversation with someone because really holy means devoted to the service of God. Now listen, these are not my definitions. This is like Webster Dictionary definitions, okay? So holy is, is devoted to the service of God, and day is a 24-hour period. So if we're saying devoted to God 24 hours a day, that's a pretty good thing to say. Happy holidays. So you can say Merry Christmas if you want, and you can say Merry Xmas if you want, or you can say Happy Holidays if you want. 
One that really kind of confuses me is season's greeting. Do you know how, how big of an argument there is that where the apostrophe goes with the S? I mean, it's just, it's just ludicrous. I mean, there's people out there really get up in arms about where, what, is it, you know, where does, is it possessive of the, the greeting or is it, you know, and I don't know enough about English to hardly to speak it, let alone argue it, so I just kind of go with the apostrophe uh, between the N and the S. This covers the whole gamut of holidays packed into the last month and a half of the year, Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and New Year's. So, so season greetings is a lovely way. This is not mine. I'm copied this right off of Google. Seems to, he seems to know most things. I don't know. But season's greetings is a lovely, uh, lovely non-religious way to greet people and spread the cheer. Well, <laughs> you can argue. I, I don't know too much about season greetings. You know, if, if, but I find it interesting now the church has hijacked that statement by saying this. You can push the button. Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs> really not. If you're going to use that as a season greeting, he's not the reason for Kwanzaa. He's just not. So, you know, I know who's hijacking whose statements here. So you can say season greetings if you want, and it's a lovely non-religious way to promote cheer. I don't know how to do that anyway. I tried to be cheerful for 31 years without Christ, and I didn't have a very successful time at it. I don't know how you promote cheerfulness without Jesus. But if you want to try to do that, you can do that. But then we can hijack it and we can say Jesus is the reason for the season. So I'm proposing a new statement for this season. And it comes up with happy Jesusmas. <laughs> See, we're just going to remove all the blockers here. So... I was going to say joyous Jesusmas, but I couldn't say that. I got in the mirror and I was trying to say that joyous Jesusmas, and I got my tongue all tied around my teeth and I couldn't say it. But but happy Jesusmas, really. It's right. It's that He came to have, so we could have communion with God. And so I wanted to preach. Tobin asked me if I was preaching this week, and I said, Yeah. And I, I said, I'm going to preach on Jesus. And so I'm going to preach on Jesus this morning. So, so you have a, a, an ornament in, in that you were handed to, that was handed to you, and it has the names of Jesus on it. So I went through all of those, and there's like 28 or maybe up to 35, and you can push the button. Here they are. And, all the, all the, and I can start preaching on the way, and I can start preaching on the Redeemer, and I can start preaching on Jesus and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and the Mighty God. I thought that would get just a hair long even though the Bills won last night, and I won't worry about the game today. So about 30 points to my sermon. And so I started to make a list of all the names of Jesus on my desk, and I started to make a list, and then I was starting to make an acrostic, and then I was starting to write Christmas, well, all the names of Jesus. And I got all this paper all over my desk trying to figure out what name of Jesus did I want to preach on. Because I figured 30 was too much. And when I got done, you can push the button. When I got done, I got this. On Jesus times 125 more. So we're around 155 points to this sermon that I'm going to preach. Hey, it's Christmas, right? You might still get it all in on Christmas, right? Then maybe we can take next week off, right? We could just finish with 120, 155 points of Jesus. Jesus is broader than we're ever going to preach in one sermon. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And just the names of Jesus in the scripture. 
the offices that he holds, the things that he does in our life, the miracles that he brings in, the communion that we have with God because Jesus. You take Jesus out of the, out of the picture, you've got nothing. Merry Jesusmas or happy Jesusmas this morning. And as I began to write those and, and all, those, all those names of Jesus on, on my paper, I began to read the scripture and I, and I, and I got a, a few more that I just want to add this morning. Kind of a redneck version maybe. I, got, I, got, I made some of my own ornaments, and just so you know, I failed handwriting in kindergarten, so, and I wrote these. You're not going to sell on Etsy for any amount of money, but so you're getting a hand-decorated ornament from me today. But I got this thinking this week of all the names of Jesus, and then I got the reading of the scripture, and I couldn't find in that passage of scripture, in that verse, I couldn't find a name of Jesus that was in that verse. So the first verse, I, the first name of Jesus that I'm adding to the 155 that we already have is this. It comes from it comes from Luke 5 and 30 and 31. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who began, who belonged to the their sect, complained to his disciples, "Why do you eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners?" Jesus answered them, "It is not the healthy that need the doctor, but it's the sick." I think Jesus is the dinner guest. We quote the scripture that I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who will open the door, I will come in and dine with them. He will be the guest at your table. But I'm telling us right now that those people that welcome Jesus to the table, he doesn't leave them where they're at. He brings something to the table for them. He brings something to the table that he wants them to have. He goes into where the, the sick are, where, where, that, where, that, where the where the tax collectors and the sinners are. He goes in there and sits down at your table. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords goes down and sits at your table. And he doesn't care what the world thinks about him. He wants to sit at your table and he don't give a who, who cares. He doesn't care if the religious people care. I find it interesting that they ask his disciples and Jesus gave the answer. If I want to dine at your table, Jesus says, I'll dine at your table. You open the door, I'll come in and sit down. Well, it's not a very good table, God. It's kind of a mess, God. I didn't clean the dishes, God. He's, I don't care about that. I will come in and sit at your table. And I don't care where you are in your life right now. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not expecting you to get your suit on and to get your best duds on and get your house all clean. I'm coming in anyway. It doesn't matter what you're dressed in. I love you. And I want to sit at your table. And I want to talk with you. And I want to walk with you. And I want to tell you about myself. And I want you to know how much I can do in your life and how I can set you free from the garbage in your life. That's what I want to do. I'm your dinner guest. And I don't care what this world thinks. And I don't care how good your table is. 
I don't care how good your clothes are. We had an old farmer in our area that if you went to his house and sat down at his table, you normally shared it with the cats that were in the house. And, and it was his table, and he didn't care if the cats were there. Jesus, I don't care. Would you let him come in and dine at your table? If you knew Jesus was knocking at your door, would you answer the door? Or would you say, wait a minute, I got nothing prepared. Wait a minute, I just had an argument with somebody. Wait a minute, I'm dirty. Wait a minute, I'm a tax collector. Wait a minute, I'm a sinner. Wait a minute. I used to go to a local business and they'd open up the door to the shop. The lady wouldn't, she'd open up the door and she'd scream out in the shop, Watch your language, pastor on board! Jesus says, I know. I know your language. I know your brokenness. I know your upside downness. I still want to come and sit at your table. Would you let me sit at your table? And as I continued through the scripture, I found other passages. And this is one that really stuck out at me this time. And often we'll break between 11 and 12. We think it ends with 11. And maybe you can argue with me and Theologically, maybe it does, but it seems to make really good sense to me to read 11 and 12 together. No, sir, she said, and this is the lady that's caught in sin in her life. She's been caught red-handed. And they've drugged her before Jesus because they want Jesus to judge her. Because they want Jesus to start throwing rocks at her. Because they want Jesus to make the call here. And Jesus goes, and you can read the story in, in, in John 8. But he comes down to this, and there's no one left to accuse her. And he says this, No one, sir, she said, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. See, I've always wondered how this lady could ever get and leave her life of sin in that era. But when I lead the, read those two verses together, when Jesus says, well, I know, and I'm not pointing my finger at you. He didn't come to point his finger at you. He came to bridge the gap between where you are and where you can be. Because he said, I'm the light of the world. And I'll light the path that I want you on. And you'll be able to leave that life that's got you upside down. You'll be able to leave that life because you're going to be able to follow me because I'm the light of the world and you will never walk in darkness if you follow me. So let me lead you. Let me lead you. I know you were caught. I know you got a jailhouse conversion here. I know you were caught. But I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge between here and there. But Jesus, I don't know if I deserve that. I'm not asking you if you deserve it. I'm not condemning you right now. And nor will I. It's not my job. The Father didn't send me here to point fingers at people. He sent me here to save people. John 3.17. 
I'm not here to pronounce judgment. I'm here to give you a hand because I'm the light of the world. And it doesn't matter where you were caught. I love you. And I want you to follow me. And I want you to walk with me. Because I'm the bridge. I'm the, I'm the gap span. I'm from one place to another that you want to get in life. You need to follow me. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm telling you, that woman knew the difference between darkness and light. Because she had walked in darkness. And when Jesus was offering her light, she knew the difference between light and darkness. We'll know the difference. We'll know the difference when we're walking it out with God of the darkness and the light because he's going to show us the difference. The next one comes from Matthew 21, 12. Jesus is the table turner. I seen somebody post on Facebook this week and I really liked it. Don't try to sit on the tables that, God's, that Jesus has turned upside down. If the table is upside down, don't try to belly up to that table. When Jesus entered the temple area, he drove out all who were there, uh, who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves. I believe that God has come into my life at times and turned the tables upside down. Enough son sitting at that table. Wait a minute, I've had that table for generations. I know, and you need to get rid of it. My grandfather gave me that table, I know, and he should have got rid of it too. Boom, I'll flip that table over. Don't try to, uh, don't try to write it, don't try to sit up to it. Let me turn it over because it's not healthy for you to be sitting at. It's one that you've made, I know. And you're getting ready to hand it down to your kids. I don't want them to have that table. It's not a good table. And let me turn that table over. Will you stop trying to write the tables that I've turned over in your life? When he challenges your attitude to your wife or to your husband or to your kids, he says, boom, get rid of that table. That is a bad table. You're sitting your children at that table and you're yelling at them with a, with a hateful spirit. I'm turning that table over. Let it go. Let me turn that table over. And don't spend your time trying to stand it back up. Just let me turn it over. And when I get done turning it over, don't worry, I'll take it out. But you've got to stop hanging on to it. At times in my life, and God wants to turn over a table and take it out of my life, I'm holding on to the legs. He's pulling me through the house. He said, son, you are so blasted, hard-headed. Let me take it out of here. Let me heal you. Let me heal your family. And it's never going to happen with that table in your house. 
I think Jesus is a table turner over. And I think he wants to do that in my life, and I think he wants to do that in your life. The next one comes from John 11, 43. And he, when, he, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! You know what I love about that? That Jesus is the voice. Not that singing. Don't they have a singing contest or a voice or something? And I'm not, I hope I don't offend anybody, but those singing contests just drive me crazy. No, no more dialogue, no more commentary on that. They just do. I don't know. But Jesus is the real voice. Jesus is the capital V voice. And he's standing, sometimes he's standing, and he's going to stand outside your cave. And he's going to say, He's going to say, you lived in that long enough. Come out of it. Come out of it. I'm going to heal you today. Come out of it. Can you imagine being Lazarus inside that cave? And all of a sudden, he hasn't heard anything for four days. The dude is dead. I told someone this morning, I got all the faith that Lazarus had when he was raised from the dead, which was zero because he was dead. But can you imagine being inside that cave and all of a sudden you hear the name, you hear your own name, Lazarus, come forth. The guy was so anxious to get out of the cave, he didn't even have time to wiggle himself out of the burial cloth. I don't know if he rolled out or he hopped out. I don't know how he got out, but he got out, baby. He got out. God, here I come. I'm all jammed up from life. He said, I know. Get out of there. I got some other people going to come alongside you, and they're going to unwrap you. But how do you ever get out of there? Just get out of there. Because I'm the voice. I'm the voice at your cave. I'm the voice at your, your brokenness. I'm the voice. that say, come out. Watch what I can do. Ooh. No wonder he lights up the world. He comes into your house. He sits at your table. He turns over other tables. He bridges the gap between where you are and where you can be. He is the voice at your cave. He's the voice at your darkness. He's the voice... And I've heard him in the past five months. I've heard him say that. I went in just to have my own pity party. Just leave me alone. I just need to have a pity party here for a minute. And I went into my bed, and I laid on my bed, and I covered my head, and I heard this from God. Get up! And I got up. Don't tell me he's not standing at your cave. Say, come out! Because he is. He's standing at some of your caves right now. And he's calling your name. Walk deeper with me. Walk deeper with me. Walk deeper with me. Walk deeper with me. I'm all jacked up, God, I know. Walk deeper with me. He's the voice. 
The next one comes from Matthew 8, 2 and 3. A man with leprosy knelt down before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he what? And you've got to be kidding me. He did what to a man with leprosy? He touched him. Just so you know, that's completely against the rules. But you know what? Jesus is not afraid of your situation. You might be afraid of it, but he is unafraid. He'll walk into any garbage that you got, any disease that you got, any jacked up life that you got, he'll walk into it. He's not afraid of it. Down any black street, down any alley, down any, any place that you are, he'll walk down there. And he'll touch you because he's not afraid. I find it interesting. I think the leprosy couldn't get out of that guy fast enough. Because I think he was running from Jesus. Whatever's got a hold of you is going to run from Jesus. He's going to run. He's not afraid. He's not afraid of your situation. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured from his leprosy. The more, this is not today's message. It will be a message in the future. The more I read about the healings in the Bible, the more I'm hungry to see it. Immediately. Whatever you're up against leaves at the sight of Jesus. It will. Because he's unafraid. The next one comes from John. A strong wind was blowing and the water grew rough and they, were, they had rowed for three and a half miles. They saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified, no doubt. But he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately, I'm going to do a study on immediately in the Bible, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. They were going the right way. Jesus is not always going to change your path. He might get you to the other side because he's the mighty wind. He never even calmed the storm in this situation. He was mightier than the storm in your life. He was mightier. He's mightier than the storm in your life. And when he blows, the wind subsides to him because he's the mighty wind. And just so you know, I was at my desk and I had Kleenex and I was... I was doing what I do some days. Cheryl said, my eyes are leaking. And I'm reading this passage of Scripture. And I said, Jesus, you're the mighty wind. And I drew this picture on my, on my blotter on my desk. Just so you know, the, the, the one closest to the sail is Cheryl. See her, her hair? <laughs> this is me with a goose egg after my brother whacked me in the head. And this is Jesus. 
And I looked down at that picture and I didn't even realize that I had put the sail toward where Jesus was blowing. And I just simply said, get us to the other side, Jesus. Almighty wind, get us to the other side. I want to be on the other side. Almighty wind, get us to the other side. We're on the boat and we're headed the right way. We're headed the right way. Just get us to the other side. I'm not even asking necessarily to storm the storm to quit. Just blow. Blow. He's the mighty wind. And wherever you're at, wherever you're at, he can blow you ashore because he's Jesus. Jesus, I got a couple more. Well, you can see. I actually got to the shop this week and I, I made this Christmas tree. Yeah. And the ornaments. I didn't even cut my finger. <laughs> that was the first thing my family asked me. Uh, do we need to come clean up the blood? Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Because he's the muscle. Because he's the muscle, and nothing. He is stronger than anything. That's why his wind can, can do what it does. That's why, his, that's why his, his time at your table can do what it does. That's why he can take the table that's generations old and he can flip it over and help you get rid of it or one that you've built so nice, but he doesn't want that to go on to your family and he can take that over because he's mighty. He's the muscle. You may not like Jesus, but you take him out of this world, we're gone in an instant. The scriptures say everyone simultaneously will return to dust. Because without Jesus, it all falls apart. And you can take him or you can leave him, but you better thank him at this moment. Because without him, you're a mess. Without him, we're a mess because you're the muscle. He's the muscle. When I get done with these eight, there'll be 168 names and positions of Jesus. Here's the final one for today He's the grip. And his grip wouldn't be good if he wasn't the muscle. But not only does he hold this whole world together, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. <laughs> and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And the definition of eternal life, according to the scripture, is I give them a relationship with the Father that lasts forever. Forever. 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can take them out of my hand. Because I'm the muscle. And so when I sit down at your table, and I take you in my hand, you're never going to leave it. Because my grip is way more than you ever can imagine. Because I'm the muscle. I'm the guy who will sit at your table no matter what your house looks like, no matter how much of a wreck it is, no matter how many, how many animals you got running around, no matter how dusty it is, I'll sit at your table. And I'm the one who will meet you in your darkest hour and help you to the next level of life. And I'm the one who will turn the tables over. And I'm the voice standing in your darkness saying, come forth. And I'm not afraid of your situation. And I'm the mighty wind. And I'm the muscle. And I'm the grip that has a hold of you. And you'll never be taken out of my hand. Because you are mine. How about a new life? Merry Christmas. I'll say Merry Christmas. As Tobin preached a few weeks ago, there's a good reason to run to Bethlehem. Because the Savior was born. The Savior grew. The Savior went to the cross. The Savior went to the grave. The Savior raised from the grave. And the Savior sits at the right hand of the Father right now, playing every position that was given to him. That's good stuff. How about a new life? I don't know what else you got planned for today, but it's second to Jesus. Again, let me say, Merry Christmas, Merry Xmas, Happy Holidays, Season greetings. <sighs> I love you guys. And I have a feeling we have miles to go before we sleep. Will you stand with me today? <clears throat> Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Father, I know that we're here, maybe we're here today because we come every week. Maybe we're here today because it's Christmas. Maybe we're here today because somebody else invited us. Maybe we're here today because we just don't know what else to do. And our life is sideways. Whatever reason we're here today, God, we need Jesus. Jesus, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, I need you. So Jesus, help me and all of us turn our eyes upon you. The scriptures say, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, <laughs> who for the joy set before him endured that cross. Let us run the race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because Jesus, you are, you are all 100 and 58, 68, 
and more and more. This is just what we know. Jesus, thank you. And uh, Lord, I know that the song says, Mary, do you know? I'm wondering if I know. So I'm going to start, stop singing about Mary and I'm going to start singing about Ed. Do I, Ed, do I know Jesus? Father, here we go. We're going to leave here and we're going to go and we're going to gather with family this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, whatever. But Father, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And help us to walk out this life with him. And in Jesus' name, amen.